Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And this is what it says. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, we've been moving through a uh, passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which is traditionally known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so this series we're calling The Message on the Mountain. And if we back up, we see that in Mark 1.15, that Jesus says, uh, what does he say? It's, why is it going away? He says, the, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And so when we're reading this message from the mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, what we're doing is we're hearing Jesus' inaugural address of his kingdom. Right? The same way the president will get up before he... Uh, serves his four years and says here's everything i'm gonna do here's here's what my presidency is gonna look like of course we all know that half of what any president says up there is not truthful um they're just trying to earn points right um but this is jesus actually saying this is what my kingdom is actually like and what we see when we fast forward to the end of this it says that their minds were blown by the things jesus said you've never read the Sermon on the Mount and got done and your mind wasn't blown, uh, you're probably reading it wrong. Because the stuff that Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount is completely contrary to culture then. And ladies and gentlemen, it's contrary to culture now. Because everything he's saying is upside down to human nature. It's upside down to the way we want, the way we feel. And what he's saying is, my kingdom is coming and what I want you to do is I want you to change your mind. That's what that word repent is. Change your mind from what you think and believe what I'm saying. And we've talked about this. How do you know someone actually believes something or not? Because they act on it, right? I know you believe what you believe because I see the way you act. We call that bearing fruit, right? So you put your faith in something and out of putting your faith in that thing, then you bear fruit out of it because you're, you're acting on it. You're doing it. And um, as we look at this, it was, it was crazy. I, I told some of y'all last week, I went up to see uh, that Jesus play at Sight and Sound Theaters. I went to see Jesus. And uh, he had some things to say about some of you. No. Um, I went to see Jesus. And um, I'll, I'll just be honest, I keep saying this, I could have walked right in. I had tickets, but I could have walked right in. Like, no one ever checked for a ticket. I don't know if I should be sharing that information or not. Um, I don't know, like, what does that mean about you if you're sneaking in and not paying to see Jesus? But also, like, what are they going to do? You walk in, no, I'm sorry, you can't see Jesus. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I know they're, they've got to pay their actors and everything. But it was very good, and I, I'll be honest, I sat there. And I watched this thing. It was excellent. And I was skeptical because I'm not a big musical guy or whatever. Um, and I was like, man, if I see Jesus dancing around and singing, I'm just done. Uh, but he didn't. 
Um, but it was very good. But what was crazy, one of the scenes that struck me is when Jesus enters the temple and grabs a whip and just goes to town on that temple. And you got to think, you have to think, here's Jesus and he's declaring his kingdom. He's saying, my kingdom is coming. And they think he's going to actually be a king. They think he's actually like, like, going to establish a throne and begin his rule and reign like they're not thinking about it the way it actually they'll, they'll figure it out later right what he actually means and can you imagine you think okay he's going to be king and he walks in to the temple with a whip and just starts turning things over you got to be thinking it's coming now like imagine it like this imagine imagine in town we had a really bad mayor and he was just awful. And we were all like, man, this, but this other guy acts like he's kind of vying for the job. And one day we have a parade, you know, small towns, we have parades. And this guy who's kind of vying for the job just jumps in the parade kind of towards the end and he's waving. And when people see him in the parade, they like the guy because they think he could do better than the guy who's the current mayor. And people just start going nuts. I think it's hilarious. They're like, yeah, yeah. You know, can you imagine it with me? And then he walks into City Hall one day and just starts chunking the furniture out on the front lawn. Walks into the library, throws the computers out, like, you guys are doing things all wrong. And I mean, people would start losing their mind. Like, what is this guy doing? And other officials then start walking up to him like, who gave you this authority? Who, who said you could do this? And it'd probably be like, by what authority do you do this? They're like, what are you doing? Who put you in charge? You could just come here and start throwing stuff out. And this is kind of what we see in Jesus. Like Jesus rides into town in a parade that, of himself on a donkey and people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right, this crazy thing. And he comes in and he just begins to clear out the temple and, and, and drive people out. And the next day when he shows up, these leaders come up to him and they challenge his authority. It's not like you see in all the Jesus movies, like, by what authority do you do these things? They were probably irate. And then Jesus does this to top it off. He goes, oh yeah, this temple? Is going to get destroyed. And, and I'm telling you, like, some of these people hearing, like, if you would have been around 20 years old when Jesus said that, by the, before you died, you would see, like, the temple got destroyed. The Romans came in and they plowed that thing down. It was bad. And so when Jesus is up talking, don't think that people are just like, like, oh, it's Jesus giving some nice life lessons. That's, that's the problem when we read the Sermon on the Mount. We think Jesus is just giving us some life lessons. He's not. He's radically changing the way we live. He's establishing his kingship. But here's what's also different about his kingship. Most of the time, when a, someone takes over land, they come and they conquer an area, you're forced to serve them. Right? The Romans come in, you're forced to serve the Romans. The, the Nazis back in World War II were conquering countries and they were forcing people to be under their government. Here's another thing that's crazy about Jesus' kingdom. It's an invitation. 
He's not going to force it upon you. You're going to have to choose to serve the master. You're going to have to choose to serve this king. What? What kind of king is that? What kind of king is it that doesn't demand people obey him? So then we get to this part, and so that's some context through it all. We get to this part in Matthew chapter 6 where he's saying, and we're about the middle of his message now, where he's saying, beware of practicing your righteousness in front of other people. And that's kind of weird to me because I want everyone to flip back to Matthew chapter 5. Can, let's rewind the tape and look at Matthew 5.16. Because in Matthew 5.16, it says this. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Say, see your good works. So they can do what? See your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So they can do what? See your good works. But then I see here in Matthew 6.1, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Is Jesus schizophrenic? Is he bipolar? Why is he over here saying, make sure people see your good works? And over here he's saying, be careful that people see your good works. What's wrong with you, Jesus? And I can tell you, like, this is a pretty easy one to explain, and everyone knows that the difference is it's the change in the heart. It's all about the heart. Because what we see here is a shift in Matthew chapter 5. Because right after that, if we look on verses 21 through um, 48, which we're not, this is, we preached this two or three weeks ago. It's talking about anger and lust and, and promises and getting revenge and your enemies and things like that. And what we see in these passages is a shift in heart. It's not about the thing itself. It's the deeper work of the heart. It's not about adultery. It's about lusting in your heart it's not about murder it's about anger inside of you right it's the shift it all comes down to the heart and the question for us this morning is where is our heart because if we look in matthew chapter 5 it's pretty clear it says let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and then what's the rest of that say and give glory to your father is in heaven so anytime someone sees my good works, the result should be glory and honor going to my Father is in heaven. So what is he saying in Matthew chapter 6? He's saying beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. In order for me to be seen. I'm still doing good works. The difference is in one situation, I'm doing it so God can be seen in me. And the other situations, I can do it so I can be seen in me. Are we seeing the difference? It's a change in the heart. Say change in the heart. And then we get into this really big thing. And this is, this is going to be a little bit tough for us today. Everyone take a deep breath. I love you. And we believe all of the Bible, right? Right? What about the parts that are hard for us? We believe those parts too? Some are like, I don't know yet. What are you about to say? 
Here's this really hard word, say when. Not if, but when. Right? And this is what it says. So, verse, uh, verse 2 of chapter 6. When you give to the needy. Everyone say when. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to, say to you, they have received the reward. But when, say when, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When. It's, it's this whole posture of the heart. So, so like giving, like even giving to this church, right? We don't give so that we like, you know, I, I give. I give to that church. Oh, I give to that ministry. Oh, I give. Like, well, you just received your reward. Uh, I've, I, I was a young, young pastor when, um, yeah, man, this is probably like 13 years ago now or something. Uh, when the coffee shop was actually a coffee shop, we were selling drinks and they were expensive, but all the proceeds went to missions. And a lady actually came up to me and she said, $5 for a cup of coffee? I said, yeah, but all the proceeds go to missions. And she said, do you know how much money I give to this church? Well, you just got your reward. I was astounded. I didn't know what to say. I said, well, you can have all your cup of coffee for free now. I'm just, if that's that important to you, you can just have it for free. Um, mm. um, when you give, it's about your heart. If it's about, hey, everybody, look how much I'm giving, you just got your reward. That's your reward. And that's, that's the thing. It's about the reward. Where is the reward? Is the reward in the fact you're giving and so you get all the cred? Or is it so that your father can be glorified? Like, I'm actually, I absolutely love it when people give anonymous, anonymously for things. Absolutely love it. Like, that's the coolest thing ever because that's the biblical way of doing it. Like, here I am, I'm giving, right? Um, now, I get it. Um, like, when we give to the church, we all like that tax write-off, right? So we record it. That's fine. I think that's fair. Um, but man, if we're doing it so that people know how much we're giving, then, then that's, we should challenge our own hearts on that, right? And I can't be the Holy Spirit for you on this, right? I can't tell you how you should walk this out. That's, that's the reason why we're in rows right now, right? If we were sitting down one-on-one, we could talk about your struggle individually, but we're not. I'm shot and gunning this to the room right now. So you have to be like, Holy Spirit, Speak to me on how this applies to my life. But what I love is down here, and we're going to get more into these over the next couple of weeks. But in verse 5, it says, and when you pray, say when. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say they have received the reward. But when you pray, say when. when go into your room and shut the door. 
and pray to the Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, this doesn't mean we never pray here in the church in the microphone as a congregation, but it will say this. If the only time you ever pray is when there's a microphone available, you've got a problem. That's why we encourage you on a daily basis, preferably in the morning, to get alone and pray. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm not a good prayer. Well, look, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for the many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He's saying just pray. Some of you are scared to pray because you don't know how to pray. And we're going to talk about that here in a couple weeks because then what follows is the Lord's Prayer. And we'll talk about that, I think, next week. But you're scared because you don't know how to pray. Here what Jesus is saying is just pray. What if it's not a long prayer? Sometimes my kids come to me and they ask me for things and it's real short. Sometimes they come and they try to butter me up for a while first. And it's very long. Dad, you know how much I love you. I'm just, I just love all that time we get to spend together and you just always, you always just help me with all the things I need and, and uh, get to the point, right? What do you want? You can see it in their eyes or something. Sometimes it's just like, you know, it's coming. Well, I just wonder if I could have 20 bucks. Of course, that's what it was. At least it's just 20 bucks, right? Um, and not more. Like, sometimes I think we do that to God. Like, we try to impress a him with the, the way we're, praying like i gotta go through this whole rigmarole and and man especially if you're a part of christianity 20 years ago it had to be the perfect king james english when we prayed right um we've moved away from that now thank god um but but this whole like i have to work up these what if you just went to the lord and just prayed like what if it was just about talking to your friend What if it was just about talking to your father? Because what we'll find out next week is when you start to pray, you start off with what? You guys know the Lord's Prayer. Start with our father. What if it was just going to your dad and being like, hey, dad. I mean, I'm, I'm living with my dad right now, right? He sits in the kitchen all the time and does all his doctor, doctoral work there. And I don't come in with these, uh, oh, great father who has allowed me to stay upon thine hill for these past 13 months. Oh, gracious Father, if thou wouldst drive me to town. Hey, Dad, I need a ride, okay? Like, you just pray. Not if you pray, when you pray. And some of you feel so bad because you, you lie to people all the time. You you on Facebook and in person, you say, I'll be praying for you. I'm praying. And then a week goes by and you see that person walking up to you and you're like, uh, Jesus, help them real quick. Uh, Lord, oh man, I've been praying for you. You dirty liar. You, you, you forgot. Guys, listen, can I tell you, sending positive vibes towards someone isn't praying for them. Hoping their situation gets better isn't praying for them right? I know you wish that their situation would change. That's not prayer. 
Because can I tell you something? Wishing is different than hoping. Okay? When the Bible says hope, it's not talking about like, I hope, I hope my car starts today. No, that's, that's not like, I hope I find true love. Like all the things we hope for. Like, it's not that hope. Hope in the Bible is actually placing your trust into it. Like you put your hope into it. And when we pray, we're putting our hope in our King and our Creator. So when we pray, we're addressing Him. And we believe that prayer changes things. We believe as we pray, things will change. And we'll see that when we get into Matthew chapter 7, that we ask, right? And God already knows what we're going to ask. And, and I had a friend for a while, he was like, well, if God already knows what we're going to ask before we ask it, then why even pray about it? Why even bring it up? Because it says to. <laughs> I don't know. I get it. It just, it, when it's saying he already knows, it's not saying that he's some sort of like mean God who's just forcing you to ask. It just means he knows you. That's what, he, that's what Jesus is saying. Like he knows what you need before you ask isn't meaning he's trying to force you to go through some rigmarole to get what you need. It just means your father knows you so well, he knows what you need before you ask. It's a relationship issue, right? He's that close to you. He's that much paying attention to you. And we all know this, but can you just know it deep inside you this morning that the God of the universe, he knows you. He's paying attention to you. And yeah, he's our God, but he's your God. He's your father. He's paying attention to you. And then this one's not fun at all. Verse 16, it says, and when you fast, say when, Oh, how many love to fast? Yeah, well, me. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received your word. I just, can you, oh, I'm just, I'm fasting. I, when I was a kid, I always thought they disfigured their faces like it was something like really, like, I don't know, but it was just them walking around like, oh, I'm just so hungry, you know, been fasting, you know. It says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who sees in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I will say in this church, like in January, typically we do a fast together as a church. That's a corporate fast. That's biblical, right? Um, but it's one thing for us to fast together as a church. It's another thing for us to walk around the community and be like, oh, you know, our church is fasting right now. We're doing a corporate fast, you know. Um, and we do typically do a Daniel's fast. Some of you, and no, you don't have to participate. Some of you are like, uh, maybe I need to find a new church before January. Because um, in January, what we do is we focus in together. A Daniel's fast is we just fast meats and sweets. And, and I will say, for a while, we kind of got carried away finding all the substitutes for meats and sweets so you wouldn't even miss meats and sweets. Kind of defeats the purpose of a fast, huh? Right? I'd even miss not having any meat this month. Wow. Um, veggie burgers are better than you think. I think what you missed was the point of the fast, right? Um, this point of, of humbling yourself and submitting yourself and 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 is fasting hard? Yes. 
I've had people say, I can't fast, Pastor Drew, because when I fast, I get hungry. Yeah. You feel weak. And before we make excuses for a fast, and I, and I do have to caution so I don't get sued, like consult a doctor when you're going to fast, different things, because um, different people have different medical issues. But can I say that these guys in this culture, I mean, they were fasting. These guys had to walk miles and miles every day to get where they were going to go. They would work out in the hot sun. They never got to take a rest, rest in the air conditioning, right? That wasn't a thing, right? And they were also fasting. Like, and some of us are like, well, I can't fast. I got too much going on. I'm just saying, guys, and this is not to like put a burden on you like, hey, you don't love Jesus if you're not fasting. I'm not saying that this morning, right? That's the opposite of the whole heart of this passage, the heart of this passage is, where's your heart at, right? So it's not, man, I need to fast to prove my love for God. It's, I want to fast because that's what my Lord wants from me. Like, that's what he's asking for. And so you have to ask yourself, man, and, and fasting can be, you, you can fast completely from food and just drink water for a day or something like that. That's a typical fast, and, and I'll make it easier on you um, the Jewish people counted a day as from sundown to sundown, right? And that makes it a little easier if you know you can eat right before the sun sets and you get to eat again right after it sets the next day. It helps a little, right, with the mental thing. Um, but I would say when you're fasting, pursue God, right? Even if you say, you know what, I'm just going to fast meat for a week or I'm just going to fast social media for a week right? Or I'm going to fast TV or whatever it is you decide to fast. Like whatever it is you decide to fast, do it to pursue God. Do it to know him more. Do it to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God so that you can know him more. And so we see this, it's when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And I'm going to say these are all three things that take up your time and your money and your energy, and they're not so easy. And yet this what the king is calling us to and and my challenge for all of us would be okay when are we praying when are we giving and when are we fasting and that's that's a question like i i'm never going to come up to you and be well i'll come up to some of you and be like when are you going to fast like but not all of you because i don't have that relationship with all of you right but some of you i have that close relationship i'm like hey man i think you need to set aside some time to fast I think you need to set aside some time to pray. And, and maybe if your finances aren't being blessed, maybe, maybe it's a giving issue. And, and I want us to, then I'm going to come over here to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I'm almost done here. I want to tackle these sections right here. And in verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. 
Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. My question is, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Is your treasure in your stuff, in your house, in your property? Is your treasure in your video games? Is your treasure in, I don't know, some of you are going to hate me, but we'll find out here in a minute. Is your treasure in your family? Is your treasure in this group of people? I would say you can get off and all those things. The reality is, is our treasure should be in heaven. Our treasure should be in our Lord and our Savior. And that's rough. Because, I mean, just honestly think about it. What, what thing could go missing from your life that would wreck you? Like, what is it? And I... I wish, I wish we'd all be a people of like, like, man, that stuff, stuff is just stuff, right? Stuff is just stuff. And we could just be like, yeah, I don't, I don't need stuff. And I think for most of us in most days, stuff is just stuff, right? Most days. And then some days someone opens their car door in the Walmart parking lot and hits our car and we lose our freaking mind because they dented our door, Right? And for some reason on that day, stuff wasn't just stuff. I don't, I don't know what it is. Sometimes it's day to day. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Is it in your athletic ability? Well, what happens if that goes? I, as a cross-country coach over the last decade, I can't tell you the number of seniors. I always have my upper class and talk to my young, young class. And I can't tell you the number of times I've had a senior who gets injured or, or gets sick or something and they say the same thing, like, I didn't know that was going to be my last race. I didn't know I wasn't going to be able to participate this season. Like, you don't know. And if your treasure is in your athletics or your athletic ability or whatever thing you belong to, what happens when that's gone? The next section says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, excuse me, if then the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. And here's my next question is, where's your focus? Like, where's your treasure? But then where's your focus? Where are your eyes? So if you're always focusing on the things of the world, if you're always focused on stuff, you're focused on darkness. So guess what you are? You're full of darkness. Where's your focus? And then the last, and Robert, you can come up here. Last one is this. It says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he would devote it to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And the last question is this then is where is your master? Where is your treasure? Where is your focus? And where is your master? Is your master your job? Is it your stuff? Or is it actually God? And it's pretty easy to find this out this week. If you want to test yourself in it, um, quit your job and give away all your stuff. Like, and I mean, give away everything. 
then you'll know where your heart and your treasure and your focus is. There's a story, you guys know this story, of this man who comes to Jesus and he says, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, it's pretty simple, just keep the commandments, right? And he's like, on it. I'm very religious. I keep all the commandments. Thumbs up. I'm good, right? And Jesus said, okay, one thing you've lacked. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, right? Get rid of everything. And it says he went away sad because he was really rich. Guys, I, I know none of us feel rich in this place today, but there's been some of us who've had opportunities to travel to other parts of the world. I'm telling you, we're rich. We're rich. Here in Northwest Arkansas, we're rich compared to most of the world. And yet we don't feel like we are, right? We just, we feel like we got to hang on to all the stuff. And, and some of us this morning, we know where our heart is. We know where our treasure is. We know where our focus is. And we feel good about this morning. And so if that's you, man, I'm not talking to you, right? You can just file this for another day when maybe your focus is off a little. Maybe your master is starting to swerve over to someone besides the Lord. And the disciples, when Jesus says this, they freak out. They lose their mind because they're like, wait a minute. He, he's walking away sad because he was rich. And they're like, wait, wait a minute, what about us? Like, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, yeah. And he says this same thing again. He says, no one who's given up all these things will not go unrewarded. Like, there is a reward, but your reward is in heaven. So are you truly living like your reward is in heaven? Or are you trying to mass up things for yourself today? I've I'm not kidding. Just imagine selling everything, quitting everything, and now think about who are you. If you didn't have that job, if you didn't have the house, if you didn't have that car, who are you now? Are you still you? Or is that where your identity is? Because that's where your treasure is. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, it says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. This is Jesus talking. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And this is the word of the Lord. It's, it's to live a life where we give everything for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about people knowing Jesus. It's not just giving up. Listen, oh my gosh. You can, you can give up stuff just to look religious. That's, that's what those first three sections are about. Giving. Like, hey, I gave up everything. Look how religious I am. And that's all you would get. Imagine giving up everything just to look religious and that being your entire reward. So just giving 
up everything. And here he's saying, some of you worship, this is what Jesus said, some of you worship your family more than you worship me. And I, I think that can be our problem in America sometimes. We worship our kids the more than we worship our God. We worship our family more than we worship our God. And guess what happens when, if you're worshiping your parents, guess what happens when they end up squirrely? Right? Because every kid in here knows, all of us, even the most godliest parents, sometimes they mess up, right? You can't, you, you have to love the Lord more. You have to put your faith in the Lord more. And parents, the greatest thing you could ever do for your kids is love God more than them. To truly have your treasure in the Lord and not in your kids. Yikes. And this is what I know what happens. As you, as you serve the Lord in these areas, He rewards you. And I look across this room and I can see testimony after testimony when the Lord has rewarded you because of something you've done in secret. Right? Has it happened to you? Where the Lord has rewarded you? Will you stand with me? Let your heart be challenged by our King, not by Drew, but by our King. You know what's really fun? It's really fun preaching a fiery sermon and giving it all to God and people running to the altar and hitting their knees and crying out to God. And that's godly sometimes. But you know what today is? Today is a question. Are you giving? Are you praying? Are you fasting? It's a little more awkward of an altar call, right? It's, it's like, uh, I'm doing a pretty good on the prayer thing most of the time. I give when I can, and yeah, fasting's hard because I get hungry, right? Some of you are like, I'm fasting right now. It's 12.07. I should be eating, and you're still talking. Listen, all of this is just to be surrendered to the king. He said, if you lose your life, you'll find it, right? And we serve a king who led by example. We serve a king who led by example. By doing what? By obedient, being obedient even to the death on the cross. Served us and died on the cross. Taking our sin, taking our shame. He died to serve. He, he served his disciples, washing their feet. Like this is our king. This is our king. So fasting and giving and praying are things that this, this king showed us how to do.
I'm thankful for my king. Like, I'm thankful for my king who leads by example. That my king is not a hypocrite. Talk about reward. Man, he rose from the dead three days later. Like, he is alive today. My king is alive today. Talk about a reward. And you know, for us who put our trust in him, there's that same reward. That even though the outer man is perishing, the inner man is being renewed day by day by day. So that I know that someday when this body finally does give out, I have a hope and glory. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, heaven is real. But I just want to be really, really rich when I get there. Just really, really rich when I get there. Like that my hope would be there. Because you realize when we get there, what are you going to do with all the riches we stored up in heaven anyway? We're going to look at it and go, yeah, this doesn't really belong to me, does it? Here, Jesus, it's all yours. Like it all belongs to him. Any reward we could ever get belongs to him. All things for the glory of God. All things for the glory of God. Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, we come before you today. God, and we thank you for your love and mercy and grace. And today we hear the word of the Lord. Lord, that you're calling us, Lord, to do things. You're calling us to act out our faith, Lord, by actually doing some things. But God, none of it is for our gain or our glory, but all things so that Christ can be made known. So Lord, today as we're hearing this sermon, Lord, we're challenged to pray more. We're challenged to give more. We're challenged to fast more. But God, not so that we can earn anything from you, but God, simply because we want to be obedient to the perfect king who did the same thing. Lord Jesus, our desire is to be like you. And if our desire is to be like you, we want to do the things that you did so that we can prove to be your disciples. So God, I just pray your Holy Spirit would come and convict our hearts. God, and that we would walk this out, not because Pastor Drew preached a sermon on it, but because Jesus, it's your word and your word is true. Father God, as we do this, when people do see us doing good works, God, let you be glorified in it. God, challenge our hearts to be a people who serve one another in all areas. And thank you for being a good king. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.